in store for us today, Psalm 103. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me, of course, it'll be on the screen behind me, Psalm chapter 103. Why don't you stand with me for the reading of the Word of the Lord today? And it's Easter, so I'm going to try to be on good behavior. I'll try not to preach too long today. Uh, impress everybody with all of my short sermons. And I only got a few laughs out of that. Either you're a tough crowd or you don't believe what I'm saying today. Psalm 103, I'm going to begin with verse number 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him and His righteousness unto children's children to such as keep His covenant and those that remember His commandments to do them. Verse 19. The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearken, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my so, I'm going to speak for a little bit this morning, but I want to draw from that 19th verse. The Lord hath prepared his throne in heaven, in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. And his kingdom ruleth over all. I want to preach to you for a few minutes today. God reigns over everything. God reigns over everything. Let's ask the help of the Lord today. God, we pray for your help this morning. I pray for the anointing of the Lord to rest upon your messenger as I speak the word that you have laid upon my heart for this morning. I pray that every mind and every spirit today be touched and blessed by the word of the Lord that every person that may be suffering, struggling, going through under the pressures and loads of life may be lifted today by knowing God that what they are under, you are over. Lord, you're ruling and you're reigning and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. David declares in verse 19, indeed, God reigns over everything. And if God does reign over everything, then why does it seem that God has dwindled in the mind of so many modern men and women? If truly God reigns over everything, then why have we seen the degree in which some have become so emboldened in their evil and we read of events of murders and killings and beheadings that have happened and are happening all around the world. It stands as an absolute testimony to the fact that God has been diminished in so many of our minds. 
they, we see God as more pygmy than giant, more weakly than powerful. Uh, we seem to think that God is too deaf to hear our plea. That He is too blind, uh, we think, to see our plight. That we feel like His arm is too short to, to, to reach to where we are. That maybe His, his heart is too small to, to love and to understand where we are really live every day. The lifestyle of millions of people in this modern day stand as a silent witness of their view of God. Our out-of-orbit world, government systems seem to seek to belittle God and make Him small, to, to put Him somewhere on the back burner and even if they could to snuff him out of the very uh, memory bank of our minds. His name is blasphemed and profaned. Uh, it goes without saying that Hollywood and the media seem to have waged war on everything that represents God or godliness. There, there appears to be a conspiracy of darkness and evil to put distance between man and his maker. Uh, and viewing God from such a far distance has contributed in the diminished concepts of God. We'll, we'll turn to Him in trouble, but often we forget Him on our days of triumph. We make room for Him when our world collapses in on us, but He can't even elbow His way in when everything seems to be going well. He can take charge of a funeral, but He doesn't exist in the festivals of life. He can preside over a dead body, but we don't even know Him in our living soul. This is such a sad day in which we live. This is not only because of the maliciousness of the human spirit, but I'm certain that far too many have a warped view of God. And our diminished view of God is, is certainly not coincidence. God has become small in our sight because we are viewing Him from too far Away, Man has moved a long ways away from God. And the further we get from Him, the smaller He is in our vision. The smaller He is as we view Him. The greater is our problems. The greater are our circumstances. The greater are all of the things that distract us. And the smaller is our he seems small when we're so far away from Him. But I don't want to leave you in despair on this Easter Sunday morning. But if I can today, I want to preach hope into somebody in this crowd today. If we will draw near unto God, the Bible said He will draw near unto us. If we will get closer to Him, He will then in return get closer to us. I came to remind us today that God rules over 
everything. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Sadly, in our society, it seems that people have put God on the back shelf. Our society itself has even put out the sacred fires of godliness. Can I remind you today of how that we have progressed away from God. I said progressed and maybe I should have used the word regressed or digressed away from God. If we look back 150 plus years ago, we see that on May the 24th, 1844, that a professor by the name of Samuel Morris sent out his first message over his perfected telegraph on an experimental line from Washington, D.C., and he said, What hath God wrought? He felt that his invention was so uh, fabulous, so uh, imaginative, way too advanced for his own human mind. But there, he, he had in his mind that there must be a deity involved. And so the very first time that he sent out his experimental uh, telegraph, he simply said, what hath God wrought. But over a hundred years passed and Neil Armstrong stepped onto the moon and his first words were one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. God was already being removed out of the equation. Man has attempted to muscle God out of the equation of life. It is man they think that rules over the festival of life. God is no longer considered in the minds of so many. God has become a power of history, but far too antiquated for this modern day in which we live. We have moved so far away from God. Then we wonder why so many lives are full of despair with no peace, no victory, no joy, no excitement, no enthusiasm. And the reason is the same for both. It is because we see God from too far away. He has become diminished by our distance from Him. David said, my heart and my flesh faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In verse 27 of the 73rd Psalm, he said, For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. I want you to get this this morning. David said those that are way away from you are going to perish. They, 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 they're going to be destroyed. But verse 28 said, but it is good for me to draw near unto God, to put my trust into the Lord and to declare his works. James, James said in James chapter 4, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto us. 
It was Thomas, I believe, that was comfortable with his criticism of his fellow disciples. And he said that they were dreaming, they were imagining, they were covering up their own failure to follow after Christ. But when he said, I'm not going to believe until I thrust my hand into his wounds and until I feel his side and see the nail prints in his hand. Thomas was bold in his unbelief. Why? Because he lacked faith and he had moved a long ways away from the Lord. He was bold in his unbelief, but when he came close to the Lord, when he got up close enough to reach his hand into his side and to touch him in the nail prints in his hand, his comments suddenly changed. And then Thomas said, My Lord and my my God he, it was a change that came over him because suddenly he recognized him for who he was can I say today oh how our perspective changes when our distance from him changes when Elisha's servant was withering at the sight of the Syrians the prophet's cry was, Lord, just open his eyes and let him see. And when he drew near, the Bible said, he saw a flaming horseman with chariots of God standing guard over God's man. Can I tell you that the highest thing that Job could possibly imagine, the highest thing that Job in his day could imagine were the stars. And so this is how Job said it. He said, I beheld the moon and the stars does not God reign above all of them Isaiah said whom will you liken unto God or what can you compare unto him he, he reigns over everything and there's nobody quite like Jesus I could stay in the book all day and declare what the prophets of old said about him. There's no God like our God. The choir sang it this morning. No God like Jehovah God. He reigns. He reigns. A few years ago, scientists in NASA were astonished by man's ability to be able to take pictures of, uh, of, of stars and, and to develop the technology of, of stars. And, and, and here's what I have to say say about that. They're astounded by what had transpired, that they could simply take a picture of what God made. And when the Bible speaks about God making them, it just says, and he made the stars also. So let's just move on to some, so, something else. Job said it like this, and all we know about him is just a whisper. With the spoken word, he put this entire galaxy into existence. Job said, that's just a whisper. <laughs> you ought to hear what he really starts talking. I'm telling you this morning that God rules over everything. You think your problem is too big for God. He put this whole universe into existence with just a... He put breath into the life of man. God rules over everything. What you're under today, God's ruling over. What you're struggling with today, God reigns over it. I don't know what you're experiencing, what you're going through. 
You may be under a load today, but God isn't under the load. He reigns over it. God is not worried about what you're worried about today. God doesn't fret over the things we fret over. We stay awake at night over things that God's just waiting on us to say, the battle's not mine but belongs to you. Because He already reigns over it. God isn't afraid of what you're afraid of today. He reigns over it. The Apostle Paul declared that God reigns over everything in Ephesians chapter 1. He said He reigns far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things in the church. I submit to you today a Savior who is not struggling with the things that you and I struggle with. I submit to you a Savior who is not limping under the load that we limp under. I submit to you today a Savior that's not worried over the things we worry over. He's not surprised by the things that shock us. I submit to you today a Savior who reigns over everything. We were supposed to clap longer so I had time to get a drink. Oh, so you want to make me work harder today. I see. You don't need a Bible to figure out that God is great. If you need a Bible to figure out that God is great, you're not paying attention. Just one look in the mirror ought to deliver you from the deception that God is more pygmy than giant. Because when you look in the mirror, you ought to say, man, God reigns. If you want to make that human body that your spirit dwells in today, you're going to have to have about 58 pounds of oxygen, they say. 50 quarts of water, 2 ounces of salt. 3 pounds of calcium, 24 pounds of carbon, some chlorine, some phosphorus, some iron, some fat. For some of us, it takes a little more fat. Some sulfur. You're a tough crowd. Some glycerin. That's what the biologists say that you need to make up a human body. But God just scooped up some dust. There you go. And when he got finished, he just reaches in and pulls another one out of his side. And said, there you go, Adam, there's your helpmate. And the evolutionists expect me to believe that this world evolved from a bunch of swirling gases. They they want us to believe that it just blew up and here all of a sudden we are 
Oh, that's the craziest thing in the world. I want you to know that I came from a God who reigns over everything. And it was intentional when he spoke the world into existence and said, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over. All the face of the deep and the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And God divided the waters from the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. I came today to tell you that he scooped down into that dust and breathed the breath of life and made man a living soul I came today to tell you that he rules over your body he rules over your sickness he rules over your marriage he rules over your family he rules over your home God rules over everything No matter what you're experiencing today, God is ruling over it. No matter what you're going through, God is ruling under it. We're under the pressure of it, but God is ruling over it because God is in charge of everything. We have battles and discouragement, but God reigns over everything. I tried to wrap my brain around the, the, the concept of the resurrection. I tried to put it all together. Brother Kevin Spangler mentioned to me yesterday as we were here at work day, he had talked to his dad and he said he was putting together his 48th, I think he said 47th, 48th Easter message. He said, how many ways can you preach the resurrection? He lives. And... That's kind of, I was trying to wrap my brain around this and I was thinking, what? What? Why the resurrection? I mean, the virgin birth is a pretty amazing story. But the resurrection, it's like, what in the world is to be proven from the resurrection? What, what really do we need to know? I mean, the virgin birth, what a story. The miracles of feeding 5,000 from just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. and Incredible stories of people touching the hem of his garment and being made whole. Of dead bodies being brought back to life over a spoken word. He just walks to a tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. Pretty impressive, I would say. So why the resurrection? Why go through all the things that he went through? And, and I felt the nudge of the Holy Ghost kind of say, because God is trying to prove to man that in the thing that we don't feel like we could ever conquer, which is that of death. I just preached a funeral last week of my 25-year-old nephew. It was a sad occasion. And as we stand there, and I even spoke the words that death is final, but the Lord put a check in my spirit and said, you think death is final. But the resurrection is to prove to you and I that Death is not final. The hardest thing for humanity to comprehend. 
death is final. They're gone. We're never going to see them again. And Jesus said, nope, got to fix that. Got to give them hope in the middle of that. Because while death may be final on earth, death is not final in eternity. He said, I'm going to go through some things so that you understand that I conquered everything to prove to you that there's nothing. If you'll turn it over to God today, there's nothing that can keep you from serving God. I wish I'd have had a book to refer to because I just had to write down a few random thoughts in my mind about 1 o'clock this morning about some things that happened to Jesus the last week of his existence here on earth. People were talking behind his back. He was falsely accused. His friends had forsaken him. His followers had abandoned him. His students claimed he was a madman. The disciples were disowning him. His closest were rejecting him. His he, he, he trusted the, the, those that he trusted betrayed him the mob scorned him the soldiers whipped him they spat upon him the crowds cried crucify him they crowned him with thorns they nailed him to a cross the thief railed him the gamblers mocked him heaven declared him and the earth shook for him but why why did he die why did he endure such agony such pain why was he buried why did he wait three days until his body was stinking because he knew that there would be somebody show up on Easter Sunday 2015 and say my life is too big a wreck for Jesus to be able to do anything with and he said no you go and stand in that pulpit and you tell them I reign over everything I reign over their disappointment I reign over their hurt I reign over their sin I reign over everything look at somebody next to you and tell them God reigns over everything This is what I want you to know about Easter. If you forget everything else I've said today, I want you to remember this. The resurrection is what disaffiliates Christianity from all other religions. Buddha died, but there's no evidence of a resurrection. Hare Krishna couldn't escape death, neither could he conquer it. Joseph Smith died, but his body is still in the grave. The Muslims won't like me saying this today, but Muhammad died and he stayed in the grave. But the thing that disaffiliates Christianity from all other religions is that Jesus born, lived, died, buried, but on the third day he resurrected. Nobody else can make a claim that their Savior resurrected from the grave saying I conquered it all. Death, hell, and the grave. He conquered everything. He reigns over everything. This much I know today that he got up on the third day. Hell could not stop him. Death could not hold him. The grave could not block him. The Roman soldiers could not prevent him. I came to preach on this Easter Sunday. He is alive. 
And the angel of the Lord left us some words of encouragement. And I want to speak to somebody today that may be feeling the load and the pressure of life. And here's what the angel said when the Marys made their way up to the tomb. And they looked there and the angel of the Lord looked at them. And the first words he said is, fear not. He said, for he's not here. For he has risen. I close with this today. Let me close by telling you that there's nobody quite like Jesus. He reigns over everything. The things that you've been struggling with in life, God reigns over it. Well, Pastor, you've already said that five times. I'm going to say it five more times before I close. He reigns, He reigns, He reigns, He reigns. Because we carry loads doesn't mean that he doesn't reign. The prophet Ezra said, There is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell them, God reigns over everything. David said, There's none like thee, neither are there any works like thy works. Isaiah said, There's nobody like him. If I could persuade somebody today to believe that God reigns over your situation, a miracle could happen in your life this morning. If I could persuade you to have the faith to believe that God is bigger than what you go through. He's bigger than your financial pressure. He's bigger than your marital issue. He's bigger than your child problem. He's bigger than whatever you're going through at work. He's bigger than your health condition. He can turn your darkness to light. He can turn your sadness to joy. He can turn your mourning to dancing. He can turn your tragedy to triumph. God reigns over everything. Why oh, don't somebody stand with me in closing today? Your problem may be too big for you. Because I'm probably going to preach about this tonight. That there are some things that God never intended you to be able to carry on your own. It's too big for you. But he wants you to know that he reigns over your struggle. Jesus overcame the grave to prove to the world. I reign over that too. Death, I reign. Sickness, I reign. Suffering, I reign. Pain, I reign. Disappointment. I reign. One writer put it like this. He was tempted in all points. Like as we are. He was a man uh, acquainted with grief. He knew what sorrow was all about. Yet he reigned over all of it. You got to get this today. The enemy cannot control what God already reigns over. The enemy wants you to think that he controls all the struggles of your life. And we give him credit for the things we go through in life. But I want to change your mind and your thinking today 
into understanding that even the things that, that brings the greatest pain in your life, God has the ability to reign over it. But you and I have got to make up our mind to turn it over to Him and say that battle is too big for me. Let me put it in the hands of the Lord. There is hope for you today. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I want you to know today that he is alive, that he reigns, that he came forth victorious over death, hell, and the grave so that this preacher could stand in a pulpit today and tell you, you can come bring me your sad story, but I'm going to come back to you and tell you he reigns. Why don't you just shout out your problem today? Go ahead, speak your problem today. Speak your sickness today, he reigns. Speak your concern today, he reigns. Come on, this choir is going to wrap us up this morning. But I want you to leave here encouraged when you walk out of the doors of the building today and something goes wrong in your life. Stop where you are. Look around and say it's Easter Sunday. Jesus is sending me a message. He reigns. When you walk into the mirror in the morning and you look into the mirror, look at yourself in the face and say, He reigns. When sadness and sorrow comes into your life, just speak, He reigns. Because whatever you go through in life, Jesus sent a message through the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Nobody else can make a claim to that. He said, even in your feeling like you're dead, he said, in me, he can live again. Somebody put your hands in the air this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I declare healing, wholeness, and fullness over every life, every mind, every spirit, every body, every family every mental concern, every spiritual concern, every financial concern, every emotional concern right now. I take dominion over it by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and declare you rule and reign over it. In the name of Jesus, let miracles be performed in this house today. Let it be released in this room right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, He reigns, He reigns, He reigns. Look at your neighbor and tell him Jesus Christ reigns.
Aren't you glad he lives today? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed throughout the room this morning. If there would be one or maybe many in the house today. Maybe you need the help of the Lord in your life. You need God to work in your life in a special way. The first thing I'm going to do this morning, as I want to open these altars. I would never want to close service without giving you an opportunity to pray this morning. To come bring your life to the Lord and say, God, I'm laying it down for you to take control. So I open these altars to you this morning. The church is praying with me all around the room right now. God, I pray for the spirit of courage to come over every individual in the room who may have come with a need, who may have walked away from you that may need to return back to the foot of the cross today. For that one this morning, Lord, that has never turned to you, I pray, Lord, for the strength and courage and willingness today to make that step of faith. In Jesus' name. My second appeal this morning is for those that may be in the room that you're not ready to make that commitment this morning, but you know you need the help of the Lord. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and nobody's looking around, I'm going to make this as easy as possible for you today. Maybe you'd like to just slip up a hand and say, Pastor, I want you to put me on the prayer list. Put me on your prayer list. Pray for me, Pastor, because I want to be right with the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for the two hands I see raised this morning. There's another. God bless you today. Another. God bless you. Don't be afraid to lift your hand this morning. God knows I'm going to be in prayer for you. The Lord's going to strengthen you. Thank you for that lifted hand. Thank you for that hand today. Seven hands raised this morning. There are other hands that should be raised today. God wants to help you today. He wants to help you today. If it's appropriate and you feel comfortable to do so, why don't you take a neighbor by the hand, reach over, lay a hand on the shoulder of that person next to you, just connect with him some way. If you feel comfortable doing so today and all over this room, we're going to pray one for another that God would help us. This is the greatest day to be serving the Lord. This is the greatest day to be part of the church. This is the greatest day to be working in his kingdom. Don't allow the enemy to defeat you and to cause you to live a life of defeat and despair. But let hope come to you this morning. Let hope come to you today. All over this room now praying one for another. Lord, we ask for your help this morning. Let your strength and your help come to us today. Let the peace that passes all understanding rest upon this congregation this morning. Let there be peace in the midst of the storm. Let there be a bright shining light of your glory begin to break through the clouds of despair. We thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. In the name of the Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today. Now these altars are open today. If you'd like to bring somebody with you to walk here to the front, we'd be glad to pray with you this morning. Glad to stay with you for a few minutes and pray today. I know it's Easter Sunday, but the Lord is here today.
We're going to sing it once more.